Chapter Nine of Half Past Bedtime. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by K. Hand. Half Past Bedtime by Henry Bashford. Chapter Nine. Saint Uncas. It was now November, and even in the country the last of the leaves had fallen from the trees, and the bushy hollows between the roots of the downs were grey with old man's beard. Some people like November, because it is the quietest month of the year, as quiet as somebody tired who has just fallen asleep, and they love to see the fields lying dark and still, and the empty branches against the sky. But some people hate it, especially people who live in towns, because of its fogs and falling rains, and they turn up their coat collars and blow their noses and call it the worst month of the year. Doris hated it too, and she hated this particular November more than any other that she could recall, because it had rained and rained and rained, and because her mummy was so ill that she had to go to hospital. She was also angry with Cuthbert because she thought that it wasn't fair for him to have taken Edward to see Todd the Gypsy, and never even have offered to take her, although she had asked him to over and over again. So she hadn't spoken to him for nearly a month, not even after her mummy had been taken to the hospital, and she hated Auntie Kate, who had come to look after the home, because she kept asking her how her little boyfriend was. Auntie Kate had a face like a hen's, with a beaky nose and bobbly eyes, and she always counted people's pieces of bread and butter, and wondered what income their father and mother had. Her husband was a clergyman, so she went to church a lot, on weekdays as well as on Sundays, and now she had gone to a bazaar at St. Peter's Church, just when Doris had meant to go to tea with Gwendolen. So Doris was very angry, because she had to stay at home and take care of her five brothers, and the only happy thing she had to think about was that Mummy would be home next week. But at half-past three on a wet Saturday afternoon next week seems a horribly long way off, and Jimmy and Jocko were being as naughty as ever they knew how. Jimmy was six, and Jocko was five, and they were playing water games in the bathroom, and Doris knew that they would be soaking their clothes and making an awful mess, but she didn't care. At any rate, they're quiet, she thought to herself, and I don't see why I should fight with them any more. And then she pressed her nose against the front door glass and looked dismally into the street. But there was nothing to see except the falling rain, and the dirty brown fronts of the opposite houses, and a strip of mud-colored sky, and the milkman's cart with its yellow pony. Behind her, in a dark cupboard under the stairs, Teddy and George, the twins, were playing at hell, and every now and then she could hear a faint clicking sound as they practiced gnashing their teeth. As for Christopher Mark, who was three and a half, she had forgotten all about him, and by now, if it hadn't been for Auntie Kate, she might have been playing in Gwendolen's big barn. Then she thought of Cuthbert again, and of his exciting adventure on the top of Caesar's camp, and she breathed on the glass, and drew a picture of Cuthbert making him as ugly as she could. I hate him, she thought, and I hate Auntie Kate, and I hate the twins, and I hate everybody. And then she turned round, and her heart stood still, or at least she felt as if it did, and her cheeks became white. 
for there was christopher mark at the top of the stairs with a rabbit under one arm and an engine under the other and she suddenly saw him slip and began to pitch headlong down with a sickening thud 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 for a moment she was so frightened that she could hardly breathe but just as she sprang forward an odd thing happened for he stopped short almost as if somebody had caught him and didn't even begin to cry my goodness she said and then she stopped short too for squatting down on the topmost stair was the strangest little man that she had ever seen hanging on to christopher mark he was a little man with a bald head and a big mouth and a crooked back and his right arm was only a stump with a very long hook at the end of it his left arm was odd too almost as crooked as his back and he had curled it round one of the banisters while he hooked christopher mark up with the other good afternoon he said i see you have recognized me that's very clever of you most people don't doris was too surprised at first to be able to answer him but he didn't seem to mind and went on smiling while as for christopher mark he climbed upstairs again just as if the little man hadn't been there i'm afraid i don't recognize you said doris at last but i'm frightfully obliged to you for saving christopher mark not at all he said that's what i'm for i'm saint uncas doris frowned a little saint uncas she asked latin for hook he said excuse me half a moment for a flicker of an eyelid he disappeared just been to china he said to hook another one doris opened her eyes but are you a real saint she asked the little man flushed why of course i am i'm a patron saint i'm the patron saint of staircases but i didn't know said doris that staircases had patron saints they don't he said they have only one i mean said doris it's frightfully rude i'm afraid but i didn't know that they had even one he smiled again very likely not he said lots of people don't but they have he disappeared once more baby in jamaica he said just beginning to fall from the top landing then he stroked his chin and looked at her thoughtfully i suppose you've been left here he said to look after the children doris nodded well then you ought to know he said that there are two things that children love more than anything else one of them's water and the other's staircases and they're both a bit dangerous so they each have a patron saint i see said doris and who's the patron saint of water fellow called fat bill he said he's my younger brother that seems a queer name said doris for a saint well he's a queer fellow said saint uncas but we've both been lucky doris couldn't help looking at his crooked back and his deformed left arm and his right stump ah yes he said but you mustn't judge by those that's the very mistake that i made you see i once fell down a staircase myself two or three years after staircases were invented he looked at doris and nodded his head it was when i was a small boy he said as small as your little brother and that's why i grew up crooked and deformed i was very unhappy about it it was thousands of years ago but i can still remember how unhappy i was i used to watch the other children playing games and when i grew up i watched the men go hunting and i had to stay at home and the women despised me and at last i died and then i saw how silly i had been why had you been silly asked doris 
well i'd wasted the whole of my life you see thinking about the staircase and how miserable i was and so when the good lord god asked me what i wanted to do next there was hardly anything that i could turn my hand to but i told you i was lucky and so i was for as it happened i had a great idea and that was to try to save as many children as i could from becoming as miserable as i had been of course i couldn't expect much of a job seeing as how i'd thrown away all my chances so i asked the good lord god if he would allow me to look over the world's staircases he disappeared again been to port jacobson he said well the good lord god thought it was a rather fine idea and so he laid his hand upon me and gave me a new name and my new name was saint uncas shall i have a new name too asked doris saint uncas beamed why of course he said everybody has a new name only it generally depends to a certain extent upon what they did with their old ones doris thought for a moment but wouldn't you rather be in heaven she said than sitting about on these silly old staircases st uncas laughed but heaven's not a place my dear heaven is being employed by the good lord god then he looked at his watch and now i wonder he said if you'd mind doing me a good turn oh i should love to said doris but how can i well you see he said the worst of my job is that i can never get a chance of seeing my brother bill he's always busy by the edges of ponds and things and i'm always stuck on somebody's staircase and i thought perhaps if you wouldn't mind taking my hook for a bit i could slip off for a moment and have a talk to him doris felt a little shy but should i be able to use it she asked and how could i tell whether somebody wanted me oh that'll be all right he said as soon as you catch hold of the hook and perhaps you won't be wanted at all the only trouble is when two children are falling at once and then you have to decide which you'll go for but that doesn't happen very often considering how many children there are so doris went upstairs and he unbuttoned the hook and when she caught hold of it she felt a strange sort of thrill she felt like cuthbert had felt when he went into in-between land and indeed that was where she really was st uncas had vanished and she saw christopher mark like a little fat ghost with his soul shining inside him then suddenly she heard a cry in a strange foreign language and she saw a dark-eyed mother at the bottom of some stone steps and a small round baby with an olive-colored skin tumbling down them one by one she felt a hot wind full of the odor of spices blowing faintly against her cheek and then she bent forward and hooked up the baby and saw the look of terror die out of the mother's face never in her life had doris felt so pleased she felt as if she could shout and sing with joy no wonder she thought that st uncas looked so happy she began to understand what being in heaven meant and then she heard a shout and smelt a smell of herrings and she saw a man in a blue jersey and a curly-headed boy about four years old pitching headfirst down a dark staircase through a dirty window pane she could see the mouth of a river full of fishing smacks floating side by side and she saw a woman with rolled-up sleeves run out of a kitchen and stand beside the man then she hooked up the boy and she heard the woman say thank god and the man say you little rascal you and then she was back again and there was st uncas sitting beside her and rubbing his hands ever so many thanks he said i haven't seen old bill for nearly three hundred years he says he'd like to meet you but of course it's only now and again that anybody like you is able to see us then he said good-bye to her and she never saw him again but she knew that he was there and once she actually heard him and that was very late on the same evening long after everyone had gone to bed 
for soon after midnight when auntie kate was dreaming about clergymen and bazaars and when teddy and george were dreaming about bears and jimmy and jocko about bathrooms and when christopher mark was dreaming about rabbits and doris wasn't dreaming at all soon after midnight a little red-hot cinder suddenly popped out of the kitchen grate it fell on a bit of matting and burnt its way through to the floorboards below and presently a wisp of smoke with a wicked pungent smell began to twist upward and flatten against the ceiling fuller and fuller grew the kitchen of smoke and teddy and george began to dream of campfires but auntie kate still dreamt of bazaars and pincushions marked ten pence halfpenny teddy and george were sleeping by themselves and christopher mark slept in a little room turning out of auntie kate's these rooms were above the sitting-room in the front of the house, and it was Teddy and George who slept over the kitchen, while Doris herself and Jimmy and Jocko shared a little room under the roof. The floor of the kitchen was now blazing fiercely, with the boards crackling in the flames, and Teddy and George began to dream about guns, but still they didn't wake up. They only moved a little uneasily, and it was somebody shouting that finally woke them, just as it was a neighbor banging at the front door that roused Auntie Kate from her dreams. "'Hurry up!' cried the neighbor. "'Your house is on fire!' And Auntie Kate was so flustered that she quite forgot where she had put her clothes and rushed downstairs in her nightdress. As for Teddy and George, their room was full of smoke, and they bolted out of it coughing and spluttering, and met Doris coming down from the attic, pushing Jimmy and Jocko in front of her. The kitchen door had now swung open, and the flames were darting across the hall, and clouds of smoke were rolling upstairs like a sour and suffocating fog. "'Never mind,' said Doris. "'Hold your breath and run downstairs as quick as you can.' And soon they were all standing together in the street, while some of the neighbors were running for the fire engine. It had stopped raining, but the pavement felt all cold and clammy as they stood upon it with their bare feet, and it seemed funny to be out in the dark with nothing on but their nightgowns. Auntie Kate had fled into an opposite house, because she couldn't bear that so many people should see her, but Teddy and George were rather enjoying themselves, though Jimmy and Jocko had begun to cry. Then Doris looked around. "'Where's Christopher Mark?' she cried. And everybody looked at everybody else, and Doris knew that he must still be asleep in his little dressing-room upstairs. She rushed into the house, but the leaping flames had already begun to curl around the banisters, and the lady next door caught hold of her arm and told her that it would be madness to try to rescue him. But Doris shook her off and ran across the hall and dashed blindly up the burning staircase. "'Oh, St. Uncas,' she said, "'come and help me. Come and help me save Christopher Mark.' The sound of flames was like the roar of an engine, and the smoke was thicker than the blackest night, but at the top of the stairs she suddenly heard a whisper, "'It's all right, my dear. I'm here.' And then she laughed, and found Christopher Mark fast asleep, hugging his white rabbit, and in another few seconds she was out in the street again, with Christopher Mark safe in her arms. Some of the people cheered her and patted her on the back, and began to tell her how brave she had been, and she was rather pleased, of course, especially when she thought of Mummy, who would be sure to hear about it in the hospital. But she wasn't conceited, because she knew that she had been helped by a little saint with a crooked back, who served God by keeping an eye on all the staircases in the world. Never a babe in Port of Spain, Peabody Buildings, Portland, Maine, Limerick, Lima, Boston, York, Nottingham, Naples, Cairo, Cork, Milton of Campsey, Moscow, Mall, Halifax, Hampstead, Hobart, Hull. Never a baby climbs a stair, but little St. Hook is waiting there. End of chapter 9